welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu, and I'm your host, and I'm excited to be here today. And uh, this episode is a little different. We don't have a special guest. Um, I will be sharing a recent message that I gave at our local youth night, and um, we will talk a little bit more about that. But until then, um, just a couple of things. If you're not familiar with the podcast, you could always follow us on our Instagram account, which is at the Potter's House. Um, if you have any feedback, uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can also reach out to me uh, at our email, uh, thepottershouse at gmail.com. Uh, and lastly, uh, I know I've been saying this every week now, I've been emphasizing it just because it's so, so important that um, we get this out there. But if you do listen on any of the platforms, um, if you do have an iPhone, please go to that purple icon app, that podcast app that's linked through iTunes, and please uh, tap the stars, uh, rate the show. It really helps with the exposure of the podcast. iTunes has a certain algorithm that they go by, and uh, it would be very beneficial for the podcast, and I'd really, really appreciate it. If you do want to leave a written review, which is right beneath it, uh, you most certainly can. I would you know, love to read it, uh, both personally and out loud. And um, speaking of that, I do have one review, one last review to read. And uh, the most re- 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 uh, recent review comes from uh, Mate Jacob that says, If you want to grow to greater heights of wisdom and knowledge, look no further. Tune in and be blessed. Peace and grace. Well, thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Um, I know we just had you on the episode a couple of weeks ago for our Thanksgiving special. Uh, but for, the, for those of you out there who are listening and have not yet done so, please please go to the app, please tap the stars. And if you really want to leave, leave a written review, I would very much appreciate it. So um, one big announcement, another thing that I've been saying uh, over the past couple of weeks is that this episode is the last episode of the year 2020. Now, um, I mean, big reason is because, you know, I'd like to get some time off for the holidays. Uh, the winter hiatus will give me time to recharge, reevaluate, look back on uh, things that went well, look back on things that I want to improve on, and then s- start fresh uh, back in January. And we will start uh, January 20th, that Wednesday after Martin Luther King Day. So um, thank you guys so much for all that you, all the support that you've given me thus far for for um, just continuing, you know, with the kind words, with the with the sharing on your social medias, and with the sh- you know sharing amongst yourselves. It's it's truly been a blessing for me in my life, and I. I just hope that God continues to work in this ministry because it's not mine, it's his, and I submit full control to him regarding that. So uh, this episode, the very last, and in this episode, um, like I said earlier, we don't have a special guest. It is a message that I shared at our local youth night a couple of days ago at the time of this recording, and it's regarding um, the continuation of the series that we've been going through, What Every Christian Ought to Know, and this week uh, it was regarding uh, spiritual gifts, how to discover them, what are they, what do we need to understand about them, um, what cautions do we have to do we have to understand about that as well. So uh, we go through spiritual gifts. Um, I read through a passage in Romans and 1 Corinthians where it lists the different spiritual gifts, and uh, we go in depth regarding uh, that topic. So um like I said on my previous sermon episode, I just want to say this again uh, in case you are a first-time uh, listener, but the reason I do this is because, one, uh, I do release weekly, 
And uh, it's a lot of work to come up with the content, to find a guest, to set up a time to record, both in person and remotely. And then um, all the things that come with post-production, uh, you know, depending on the length of the episode or the number of microphones I use um, or any any um, any instance, uh, you know, it all varies how long it takes to, to edit and how long uh, post-production takes. So uh, it's a lot of work. And this past week, I used a lot of my free time that I have, which isn't much, to prepare for the message. So I figured I'd hit two birds with one stone and just put the content that I prepared for um, out here on this podcast. Uh, it's not for any sort of self-edification. I just want to say that. I know it's not necessary, you know, not, nece- not necessary to say it, but uh, just in case. And um, actually, that would be uh, in contrast with what I speak about in this message when it comes about self-edification and uh, the gifts of the Spirit. So, uh, yep, it takes a lot of work, and I'm glad that um, you know we can finish the year with this kind of topic. Um, if you guys remember a couple of think a couple of months ago, I put out a poll on Instagram and asked uh, what topics do you guys want to hear, and spiritual gifts did come up. So uh, it's definitely answering um, a question that uh, one of the listeners had. So. Uh, I'm grateful for you guys. Uh, tune in, and I pray that it may not be my words, but the uh, but the work of the Holy Spirit that touches your heart. So stay tuned for the message on how to discover your spiritual gifts, what are they, and how to live in this walk with Christ. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. It's great. Man, I got this light right in my eye. I love it. <laughs> all right. Let's all turn our Bibles. Actually, let's all stand up. I know we've been standing all, all night so far, but let's all stand up and let's read from Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And the word of God says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. You may be seated. So we're continuing the series that we've been doing these past couple of months, uh, What Every Christian Ought to Know, and tonight is What Every Christian Ought to Know and How to Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. So let's, let's recap a little bit about the, uh, the series that we're going on through. Does anyone remember the previous nine messages that we went through? So we had the Bible is the Word of God, right? Assurance of salvation. What's the third one? Eternal security, man, you guys forgot that one. Um, uh, what happens when a Christian sins? Temptation, right? How do we deal with temptation? Uh, then we had, um, I believe it was water baptism. Then we had how to discern the will of God. And then there was faith and how to have it, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then number nine, or I think I skipped one. But number 10, how to discover, how to discover your spiritual gifts. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Here we go. All right. So the one thing that we have to know before we start talking about this, before we discuss 
how to get our spiritual gifts, we have to understand what spiritual gifts are. And before we understand that, we have to understand how do we relate to this? Where, where, where do we find ourselves in the equation? The one thing that we should know is first, we are a gifted child. When we surrender our lives to Christ and we follow him, we are a gifted child. And many of us struggle with this concept of spiritual gifts because a lot of the times we think that we're, we're, we don't deserve them, like we're not, we're not worthy of them, like, oh, God's not going to use me in this way. How can it be me? I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I don't speak well or I get nervous or um, I don't have the confidence to do this or I don't have the gift to do that. But that's not our choice to make. It's not the attitude that we should have. Think of it like this. Alexander the Great once gave a very priceless golden cup to one of his servants. And his servant says, no, I can't receive this. It is too much for me to receive. And Alexander the Great replies, but it is not too much for me to give. See, while these things may be too, we may think that it's too much for us to receive, God will answer us, no, but it's not too much for me to give. You are my children and I will give you these gifts. And as we see here in the word of God where it tells us that. Think of it as a birthday gift. When we're born again, right? When we're born again of the Spirit, God gives us this birthday gift. But what good is a birthday gift if it's just wrapped in a box sitting over there next to our fireplace? I don't know, right? What good is it? We can't benefit from it. So what do we have to do? We have to unwrap it, right? We have to open it. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who likes to preserve the wrapping paper. Not because I reuse it, obviously, but I don't know. I just I hate like ripping through things. Um, but we have to open it, right? And it's a process, we have this gift, and it takes time for us to open it. We need to start unwrapping these gifts that we have. And if you're at a point in your life right now as young people who, especially those of you who had just gotten baptized a couple of weeks ago, if you're at a point in your life where you're frustrated or maybe you're, in a, you're, you're stalling or you're, you're asking yourself, God, why am I not feeling joy? God, why don't I feel like I'm, I'm useful to your plan? Well, maybe it's on us. Maybe we're just being stagnant. Maybe we're not moving forward. Maybe we're not recognizing that God has gifts for us to use. Maybe we're trying to go out into the field without our tool set, right? Imagine trying to do that. It's a lot more difficult. We get frustrated. We can get hurt. All these different things. If we don't bring our tool set, these gifts that God has given us, how can we expect to be efficient out in the field where God sends us? So what do we need to do? Well, we need to get out of these chairs, right? We need to find a ministry and pursue God in that ministry. You know, there are three kinds of people in the church, right? There are the people who do things, who make things happen. There are people who watch people make things happen. And there are people who don't know what's going on at all, right? Now, the most, mo most part is the people who are watching, right? But that's not enough. See, our service should start when we exit the building, right? After those two hours we're in church. That's when our service should begin. We shouldn't come here with this mentality and say, hey, I'm gonna come to church uh, once a week, sing a couple songs, hear a message, and then I'm done. No, no, no. That's when we equip and we train ourselves, but then the service begins 12 o'clock sharp when we exit the building. That's when it happens, right? We need to have the mentality. And If you're asking yourself tonight, God, why am I not seeing your work in my life? Why am I not seeing these these gifts are manifesting, or why am I not uh, recognizing them? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, what's your mentality behind it? We need to understand why God has given these spiritual gifts. I think the best analogy that we can have with, with, a, with this stagnant Christian is a, is a football game, right? 
In a football match, in a football game, you have 22 guys, 11 on each side, on the field, you know, playing their hearts out, working really hard, exercising a lot, and then you have 80,000 people in the stands watching them do this, where, you know, the 80,000 of us in the stands are the ones who need the ex exercise much more than they do, right? So we can't just be watchers of people who make this happen. We have to go out there and do it ourselves. God has given us a spiritual gift. We need to take this gift, discover it, develop it, and deploy it in, uh, and deploy in for, deploy it for Jesus, right, to do the, what he's called us to do. So let's talk about a little bit about spiritual gifts, right? So we read a passage in Romans 12 that, that lists a few of them, and we're going to go through another passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that kind of goes through the same spiritual gifts and adds a couple over there too. So the first thing we need to understand is the description of the gifts. So if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to go slowly uh, verses 1 through 11. So you can just follow along, have that open so we can read. So the description of the gifts. Now, so verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Not want you to be uninformed, not want us to be ignorant, right? We have to understand that there's a spiritual gift and we need to take it. Now the, the, the Greek word for, for the spiritual gifts is, uh, in, is charismata, which means Grace gifts, right? It's, it's the derivative of the charismatic, right? The, the word that we have in English. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. He does not want us to be ignorant of the fact that he has given us gifts. Now some may ask, like, what's the difference between spiritual gifts and natural talents, right? Well, there's a big difference. Non-believers can have natural talents, but if you don't believe, you can't have spiritual gifts. Now, there are people there who are very talented artists. They're very talented musicians. They're very good at what they do. But that does not mean it's a spiritual gift. But at the same time, these two things can be linked. And I'll give you an example. Think of a worship leader, someone who's naturally talented with music, vocally talented, instrumentally. And let's say their spiritual gift is exhortation. We'll get, we'll get to it later. Now, what this worship leader is going to do is he's going to be up there on stage singing, using his natural talents to sing and lead uh, the worship team into worship, but then he's going to use the spiritual gift of exhortation to lead the congregation and encourage them. So those are two, those are, that's the one way of how these two things can be linked. Now, they're not natural talents, but they can be used together. They can be linked. And one thing we have to understand that these are supernatural gifts. They cannot be learned. They cannot be earned. They have to be given. And they are given when we submit our lives and surrender, surrender all to Christ. Next thing is the distortion of the gifts. And this is verses 2 through 3 in that, first, in that passage in 1 Corinthians. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, right? And the Corinthians were regarded as carnal people, right, of the flesh. That's what carnal means. And he was writing because at this time they were being attacked by, you know, the devil's ideologies, right? He was the devil was trying to twist and turn and kind of distort 
these gifts that, or the understanding of the gifts that these people had received from God. And when you do that, it can be very dangerous. Now, there's a big thing, right? It's called revival, right? We talk about it all the time. We mention it all the time. But this is dangerous, right? There's dangerous where we, can, where, uh, where we assume the, the, the root and the start of a revival comes from. And one thing I want us to understand, one thing that I really want to highlight is that real and true revival is not confirmed by the gifts of the Spirit, but real, true, and genuine revival is confirmed by the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the spiritual gifts we are given as a tool set to do God's work, but just because you see people speaking in tongues, just because you see healing, just because you see all this, don't assume it's a revival, because Matthew 7, right? Matthew 7, 21 to 22 says, even though you cast out demons in my name, you did mighty works in my name, you shall not enter the, the kingdom of God because you were workers of lawlessness. But real, true revival should be confirmed by the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We see that in Galatians. See, it's a process, right? It's sanctification. We have to be good stewards. And then once we go through that process, then we start seeing the fruit. And then when we have that fruit, we go to encourage other people, and they, they will bear fruit, right? They will, they will be encouraged to seek the Lord, so this is one way that Satan can twist it. This is one way he can distort the spiritual gifts to make you think that everything's going great when you're seeing a bunch of these signs. But that's not the case, right? We're even told in the word of God that the true sign of a believer is, is his fruits. Is he, is, is he, or she bear, are he or she bearing fruits, right? That's how we decide. And that's where true revival comes from. And we know that real revival doesn't put us out of control, but it brings us under control of the Holy Spirit. We're still fully in control, but we are under control of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 13 through 14. I'm going to read it really quick. And it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The reason I read this passage is because any movement or teaching that we have in this world that makes the Holy Spirit the figurehead is a false and distorted teaching. And the Holy Spirit, right, is... It's part of the you know, triune deity that we worship, right? It's, you know, three in one. He's a person. He is with us. The spirit of God that was given once Jesus ascended to heaven. But once we put too much focus on the Holy Spirit and the works of the spirit and we're neglecting Jesus, that's a problem. And that's what this passage says. Basically it says that the spirit comes, uh, of truth comes. He will guide you in the truth and he, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he, heals, he hears, he will speak. Guys, we need to focus on Jesus. And if we focus too much on these spiritual gifts, we'll have a misunderstanding of what the Word of God is trying to tell us. We'll have a misunderstanding of what our calling is in our lives. And it's very, very important because this is one way Satan can twist things and lead us astray. And to kind of cement this, this note over here, 1 Colossians 1.18 says, And he, and he's talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So Jesus is the head, 
We serve him. We are saved by Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection. And the Holy Spirit is our guide into this world as we do the work that God has called us to do. And we have to make sure we understand that. So we have to be careful about the distortion of the gifts. Then we have the diversity of the gifts. And this is verses six, uh, 4 through 6 in 1 Corinthians 12. And it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now notice what it says over here. There are varieties of all these different things, but they all come from one source. We see that the gifts of God, in verse 4, the varieties of gifts. Now we see that the gifts speak of God's provision, right? God gave us this gift. And then the varieties of service, the ministries speak of God's purpose, right? This gift has a purpose for our lives, a purpose for our calling that God has put on us. And then the varieties of activities is, speaks of God's power, and we need power to operate this gift. And what does the Bible say? It says that the Holy Spirit is the source. Now we have different, spirits, different gifts, but the same Spirit, right? And the way that you can think of this in a practical sense is think of, think of your kitchen, right? Think of all the appliances you have in your kitchen. You have your toaster, you have your, your microwave, you have your fridge, you have, I don't know, your, your panini maker, whatever you have, right? You have all these different things. And they all perform different functions, but they all connected to the same power, right? They all require the same electricity, right, that's going through your house in order to operate. And they all do different things, but in the end, if you use them all correctly and efficiently, you can make yourself a nice meal, so it all works together, right? And when one is not working, guess what? You're going to have to <laughs> improvise a little bit. It may take longer, right? You may have some obstacles. So different appliances, different things, different gifts, but they all come from the same source, the Holy Spirit, right? It's the same Spirit that works in all of us. Now we ask ourselves, how do, how do we get this to work, right? How do, how do we have the same Spirit in all of us that, that, you know, that helps us do different things? And the, and the answer to that question is through unity, Right? We have to be united. We have to have unity. Now, unity is not unison, right? Like a choir sings in unity, but the choir doesn't always sing in unison, right? If a choir always sang in unison, it'd be kind of boring, right? We have to split up, do some melodies, some harmonies uh, to make it interesting. Now, unity is not uniformity, right? We're not all doing the same thing. This passage actually says the opposite of that. It says that we're all doing different things through the same spirit. So it's not uniformity. And lastly, it is not union, right? Just because we're all sitting here together, just because we're all congregating together does not mean we're united, right? right? We cannot, we cannot uh, fall into that trap, so we have to be united. And we have, one thing we have to understand about the diversities is that we may look at gifts differently, right? And we may envy and covet a gift that one of our brothers or sisters has. And we can't do that, guys, because every single gift was given to you for a purpose, and every single gift holds the same weight, and God has a plan for each and every one of us, and when we work together, that's when we accomplish and work in his plan. But if we let envy, we let the spirit of pride, envy, and covetousness, whatever, covetousness, there we go, dwell in our lives, that's when things are not going to work. That's when we're going to have disunity, right? So we have to be careful with that. So that's the diversity, right? The different gifts working through the same spirit, achieving the same cause. And then we have the design of the gifts, right? This is verse 7. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That is the design, that is the purpose for the common good and profit for all. Now another design for the gift is to bring glory to God. And we read this in 1 Peter 4, chap- uh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. And it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So all these gifts that are given to us, the design is to bring glory to God. And we see this in this passage. The design is also to build and equip the body of Christ. And we read that in Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. You can read that on your own time. For the sake of time, I'm just going to keep going. Um, but it's not for employment. It's not for enjoyment. It's not a toy, right? This is a tool. It is designed to be a tool. It's not designed to be self-centered, but it is designed to help equip the church. It is designed to go bring the lost in. It is designed to be a light to the world that is living in darkness. Now, God wants this to be a blessing to your church, and therefore, to make your church a blessing to your community, and therefore, making your community a blessing to the world. That's the design of the gifts. Then we have the distribution of the gifts, right? This is verses 8 through 11, and we're finishing up this passage. Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these things are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, like as we said earlier, right, they're distributed differently. We're given different gifts. We're given by the same Spirit. And we see over here these different gifts that God has given us. And we see that we work towards a common goal, and it's distributed us according to what God has willed for us, according to his calling for our lives. And he knows the plan, right? He knows the end game. And we're just over here, and we have to have faith and trust that he will work, that he distributed to us accordingly to do his will. So I'm like halfway done. That was just five points right there. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. All right, guys? So that's a better understanding of what the spiritual gifts are, right? We have to understand... Uh, you know, how are they described? Can they be distorted? What is the design of it, right? We have to understand that they're diverse, but they're distributed according to what God has willed for our lives. So those are the things we have to understand by, uh, about the spiritual gifts. Now, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go through each and every single spiritual gift listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and then um, the passage we read at the beginning, Romans 12. I'm going to talk, to them in three, uh, talk about them in three separate categories. And what I want you to do is I want to see, I want, I want to challenge you and see if you can place yourself in one of these categories. Now you ask, how do I do that? Now there's different things, right? C- consider your life, look at the inclinations, and, and this is assuming you've given your life to Christ and you have, a, you have a healthy walk with him. Look at the inclinations that you have, look at the passions, look at the desires in how you want to serve God. 
That plays a big part in what your spiritual gift is. Another thing is, look around you. Look, look in your community. Look in your church. What is needed? What is required? Right? What is lacking? Keep that in mind. Another way to, to look at this is um, look at the public response. Right? How are people responding to what you're doing? Is, is it good? Is it not good? Do you see a, a good impact, a positive impact on your community, on your church, on your peers? That's another thing to keep, keep in mind. So keep these things in mind as, you're, as we're going through these different gifts and see where God has placed you in. And uh, it's, just, it's very important to recognize that, especially if you've already given your life to Christ. So let's start it off. We have three spiritual gift categories. We have one, the teaching slash leadership gifts. We have two, we have the service gifts. And three, we have the sign gifts. So those are our three categories, and we're going to go through each of the gifts. So starting with the teaching and leadership gift, the first gift that we have that we see in Romans 12.8 is leadership slash administration. Now, if you have this gift, this, this, this person typically has, um, you know, has, has vision, right? Can see in the long term, can see what needs that we have in the future. It's someone who can rally people together, someone who doesn't cause disunity, right? Doesn't cause discourse, someone who brings people together, and someone who can be kind of assertive, right? You have to, you have to be an administrator. You have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to be able to distribute and allocate tasks to different people for the same common cause. Typically, this is a charismatic personality. By charismatic, I mean the good charismatic, right? Not the spiritual charismatic. Charismatic as in like, you know, you're, you got the presence, people like you, people, um, you know, they gravitate around uh, ground you. And you'd be able to lead and motivate people in the right direction. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but, you know, keep in mind as we're going through these different gifts, where do, where do I see God working in my life? So that was the first one, leadership administration. Number two, prophecy. Oh, that's a good one. So we see this in 1 Corinthians 12.10, and we see it in the passage in Romans. Now, it's interesting because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says that this gift is to be greatly desired, right? He, he puts an extra emphasis on this gift. Now, that's a good thing because a lot of good can come out, can come out of this, but we have to understand that, you know, the Satan can distort this gift as well, as we talked about earlier. Where am I here? Okay. Now, we have to understand the purpose of prophecy, Right? Many of us think on the surface level that the purpose, the purpose of prophecy is so that we can know the future. And that's wrong. That's completely wrong. The purpose of prophecy is not foretelling, even though it may be included in the prophecy, the purpose of prophecy is to foretell, which means to make public statements and to encourage. And we see that in the Word of God. I'm going to read these passages to you. 1 Timothy, right, talks about how it's easily distorted. And we see in 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So we are, we are children of God. We are sons and daughters. We have access to God through the Holy Spirit. Why are we going to go all the way over there to get an, a prayer answered? Instead of seeking out the answers and prophecies, let's seek God and he will answer our prayers. Amen? You are a son and daughter of God, and you have access to them, and you can go before the Lord in prayer and seek out those answers that you have, and he will answer you in many different ways. 
Our purpose isn't to know the future. The only future we need to know lies within the covers of the word of God. That's all you need to know. The rest, put your faith in the Lord that he will work. Like we're going to come to to different and difficult times ahead, but we have to have faith that what the word of God is says is true and that God will hold us fast because that is what he wants us to do. So be careful with prophecies. It's so great, right? Paul spends a whole chapter talking about it, how it's greatly to be desired, how it can encourage people, how, how um, hearing the word of God could be beneficial to the whole congregation, but we have to be careful. So that's the gift of prophecies. Next we have the gift of teaching. We find this in the Romans passage. Now, if you have this gift, you have the desire to teach and to clarify, right? You have the desire to seek out the truth in the word of God. You have the desire to take a passage that doesn't quite make sense to you or take something that the preacher said that doesn't quite make sense to you and try to make sense of it, right? You, you dive into the word and you try to see, God, is this really true? Is this what you're trying to say? What does this passage mean? What are you trying to say? Now, you don't have to be in seminary to have this gift of teaching, right? Uh, you know, parents, mothers and fathers, both at home could be, have this gift of teaching and they could instill this on their children, right? They can teach their children. It could be any different position. But many of those who, who do have this teaching do get involved in the seminary because that's how they're going to continue to get equipped and that's how they're going to make the big impact and dent that they have on the world through Christ Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Um, James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So be careful. If you're called, if you're given this gift, be careful because you have the influence over many different people. If you're up here and you're teaching and you're saying things, whatever you say will be accounted, everything you say will be accounted for in heaven, right? On judgment day. So we have to be careful and we will be judged with greater strictness because of that role, because of that gift that God has given us. Next, we have the gift of exhortation. The desire and ability to stimulate people in their faith, to encourage them to love Jesus more. Kind of like the passage I read earlier with, uh, not I read earlier, but the example I gave earlier with the worship, worship leader, right? To be able to encourage. Now these people are, like we all encourage one another, but these people are like overly encouraging, right? Where it's kind of like, whoa, you know, you have to back up a little bit. But whatever you're going through, no matter what, people like this will always come to you and always have an encouraging thing to say. They'll always try to bring you up and not bring you down as we've been called to do, and they will always be willing to bear your burdens. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that is exhortation. Next is wisdom. And I understand uh, the time, so I'm going to try to get through this quick. Um, but I, I did tell you guys I did have 13 pages of notes, so it, so it takes a little while. But next, wisdom, right? The wisdom is not intelligence, right? Wisdom is not worldly intelligence. Wisdom is God-given. Wisdom is not something acquired over time. It's not something that our, our grandparents had because they lived longer than us. But wisdom is God-given. It is not common sense, but it is uncommon sense, Godly wisdom and good guidance and insight make great counselors. These are the people that, no matter what problem you have, they always seem to lead you in the right direction when they respond to you. And these are the people who, when, when a difficult situation arises, 
they'll be able to see what direction God wants everyone to go in. So it's very important. And we know, and we heard about, uh, and we know that, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom, right? And God gave him wisdom. And we saw the benefits of that. And we also see this in Genesis 41, 39. And this is how we know that God gives it to us. It's not something that we acquire over time. Um, This is after Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. And this is what it says. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. And then he made him second in command. Now, Joseph at this time was 30 years old, right? He, doesn't, he wasn't 80 years old. He didn't, inquire, he didn't acquire wisdom through life experiences, but God gave him the wisdom to interpret the situation. In this case, it was dreams. But God gives the gift of wisdom so that we may interpret the situation and make decisions based off of that. And we saw this as a blessing, right? Right? Uh, in Genesis, it was seven years of famine, seven, uh, sorry, seven years of uh, plentifulness and seven years of famine. And because Joseph was there, he was able to, you know, re- Egypt at the time was thriving and, and, and they were able to save up in those first seven years. So it, it turned out to be a blessing. And the last one of the first category that we have is discerning of spirits, right? And this is in 1 Corinthians. And we need to learn that not everything that is spiritual is of God. Just because you are in the church and there's some spiritual manifestation does not mean it is from God. And the people that, are, that have this gift are able to discern which is right and which is wrong. Now, the church requires people with this gift uh, not to judge, as we read in Matthew 7, but to unveil the devil's cloak of deception, right? If there's someone over here that is, that is you know, manifesting the spirit not of God, this person needs to be able to discern so that you can protect the rest of the flock. This is very important. We should, we should pray that we have this in our church, uh, in ge- generally speaking. So next we have service gifts, and I promise I'm going to go through them very quick. Um, you know, the, the first half is like a little more dense. These ones are just like rapid fire. Uh, service gifts, number one, is ministry, right? Now, these are less desirable. Right? You know, we, we kind of, they're a little top heavy. We like to put emphasis on prophecy. We all want discerning spirits. We all want all these different things. But these are equally as important. So ministry, those are people who are serving. Maybe they're doing something in the background, but these are your ushers. These are your uh, parking lot coordinators, um, you know, obviously for bigger churches. Um, these are your you know, nursery workers. These are your, your, your kitchen committee, your party planning committee. These are the people who are doing the things that may not always be seen by man, but they are seen by God. And they, do, uh, they basically do practical, practical works for spiritual benefits, right? The church runs. We all have a part. We all have a ministry that we have to, that we have to participate in. And then there, when everyone works together, there is a spiritual benefit. So ministry, one of them. Next is giving. We all know who who that guy is, Uh, no names, but the gift of giving. Now, this doesn't mean having deep pockets. It doesn't mean being rich and being able to give. While many times it is the case, the gift of giving means that you have the awareness and you have um, the inclination to know how to allocate your resources, right? If there is a situation where someone needs money over here or this, uh, you know, this mission, you know, across the world needs some funding, you know, God gives you the ability to make the decisions to allocate your resources and bless other people through that. So one thing to understand, don't be, don't be upset that you're rich, right? I know that's a crazy statement to make. Don't be upset. And we know we hear in the Bible where it talks about, you know, a negative connotation about rich people, but 
use it as a blessing for God's work, right? Use it, use it for God. Use it for his ministry because when you do that, you will be blessed and others will be blessed because of that. Um, I have here written in bold. It says, don't feel bad for being a baller. Use it for the glory of God. There it is. Next one is faith, right? Now, this is not saving faith. We're all required to have saving faith in order to be saved, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. This is faith, but exponentially more, right? And you, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've met people like this, but there are people out there, and there's an example of this. Uh, I think he was a missionary, George Mueller of Bristol, England in the 19th century, right? He, he did a lot of works for God, but there was this one story uh, where he was on a ship. He was sailing towards uh, Newfoundland, and they caught a great fog, right? There was a ton of fog, and the captain stops the ship. And Mueller comes before him and is like, why do we stop the ship? I have to go to a speaking engagement. I've never missed a speaking engagement. And the captain says, we can't go because there is fog. I'm sorry, we can't go. And George Mueller says, so you're telling me if, as long as there's fog, we're not going to move the ship? And the captain says yes. And then Mueller says, okay, let's go to the chart room and let's pray. So the, you know, the two guys go down there. They start, they're, they're, gonna, they're about to pray. And the captain is not really, he's just tagging along. He's, he's just there to humor him, right? He's not really like believing in this. But George Mueller prays a very simple prayer, a very, like a child could pray. And he says something along the lines of, God, the captain says he'll not move the ship until the fog is gone. I've got an appointment and we need to move this ship. Father, in Jesus' name, take away the fog. Thank you, Lord. And the captain starts to pray. And then George Mueller says, stop, don't pray. And this guy's this guy like tripping out. He's like, what, why not? And then George Mueller says, two reasons. One, you don't believe he's going to do it. And two, he's already done it. Lo and behold, they go up deck and the fog is gone, completely gone. With such a simple prayer, this man had amazing faith. He had mountain-moving faith. He had fog-clearing faith. And when you have that kind of faith, God will work in, in extraordinary ways. And it is a true blessing and encouragement, not only to the believers, but a sign to the unbelievers. Uh, next is mercy, right? This is to identify with people, comfort people. Uh, whenever uh, someone's going through a hard time, you're there to kind of relate with them. You're there kind of uh, to support them. You know, having a heart to help people. We're all called to help people, but this is basically that, but much more. So we're going to continue. Lastly, we have the sign gifts. We have knowledge. Now, this is not wisdom. This is not intelligence. Knowledge is divine intervention, right? This is the knowledge that Paul had in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira, where he knew that they were, sorry, not Paul, Peter, where he knew that they were lying, right? And how else would we know? Through uh, knowledge. This is something that, let's say you're walking by someone, and then you have this detail about their life that you never would have known otherwise, and then you go and approach them like, you know, are you struggling with this, this, and that? So that's, that's the example of knowledge. And people have this, and this is a great sign that we can have. Now, we have to be careful because this is another uh, gift that the devil tries to distort, um, usually through, uh, you know, fortune telling, fortune clairvoyance, uh, divination, these different uh, dark spiritual things that we need to avoid and stay away from. So be careful and cautious of that. And then we have healing and miracles, and I kind of put them together because these are things that, while the, God still gives these gifts, and we as you know, Pentecostals, we believe that, we don't see them as often. Now, healings, you know, we'll pray for a brother in the church, and then the faith heals, but this is a little bit different. This is specifically the gift of healing where you have one person who has that gift that goes to pray for someone, and the person is healed, right? It's a little different. 
So these are two things. They're pretty self-explanatory. Uh, they happened a lot back in the apostles' days, but I, tr- I have faith that they continue to happen today and people have these gifts, and um, it's a tremendous blessing on all of us. And the last one, or the last two together, is tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now, the tongues is basically you know, the ability to speak in a language that is not learned. It is an it, it is a known language, not an unknown language. However, if you have tongues without interpretation, that's only self-edification, right? The Bible even says in uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians, chapter 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says, Thus tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. And this is the case where we see, I'm sure you've heard many different stories, where some guy from America was in Spain, he started speaking in tongues and he was speaking Spanish and the people over there are like, how does this guy you know, speak Spanish? He doesn't you know, understand it. He doesn't know it. You know, those kind of examples. However, when you have interpretation of the tongues, when you have one person speaking in tongues and the other person interpreting, then we see it as edification for the whole congregation, edification for the church, encouragement for the church. And when you have both of these gifts and they're both hand in hand, that's when we see great uh, works in the church. So those are all the gifts. I am wrapping up. Um, worship team, give me a couple more minutes, uh, and then I'll call you up. But um, we have all these gifts, right? And I don't know if you're able to place yourself in one of the categories, but to discover these gifts, we have to focus on three short things, right? I'll be quick. One, it's a matter of lordship. Romans 12, one says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, you have to realize that you're not your own and you have to surrender all that you have to God, right? Consecration isn't giving God anything, right? That's, that's not what it means. It means taking our hands off what already belongs to God. God created us, we are his, and we are to be a living sacrifice to him. That is lordship. We surrender all to him. Second, it is a matter of stewardship. This comes with sanctification, uh, verse 2 and 3 after Romans 12 over there says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to um, think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We have to be good stewards, right? If you want to receive gifts, we want to see these gifts being unwrapped, we have to be good stewards to what we already have. It's the same thing when your parents buy you your first car. What they're going to do is they're going to say, hmm, were they good stewards with all the other things I bought them earlier? Were they good stewards with um, their clothes, their, their computers, their video games, all these different stuff? And they're going to take that in consideration before they buy you something that requires a lot of responsibility. Same thing happens when you're buying a house, right? The bank, unless you're you know, paying cash, but um, the bank... Goes, goes through your history and says, were you good stewards with your finances, right? They, they, you know, they check your taxes, they check your, your income, all these different things so they, so they can confirm that you qualify for this property or this house that you're buying. So we have to be good stewards. In the same way that those apply, it applies to our spiritual lives. We have to be good stewards in the Lord and his works. And then once we continue to do that, he will reveal those gifts. And lastly, it is a, member, a matter of membership, Romans 12, 4, 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, 
Though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We belong to Jesus. We need to work together. Our gifts are of the same spirit so that we may function in the same body. And the gifts are best discovered in the fellowship of the church. I'd like to invite the worship team up. Now, as we, as we conclude, once you start realizing these spiritual gifts in your lives that God has given you, you're going to have a sense of enjoyment, right? It's going to feel natural to you. It's as if like, oh, this, this has been a part of me this whole time, right? It's always been a trait that I've had. And you'll have corresponding fulfillment to that. You'll say like, God, I see how you're working through my life. I see how all these different things fall into place. You'll have a sense of encouragement. Others will recognize your gifts and will be encouraged, right? Like I said earlier, people, you know, see what the response is to others, see what the needs are, and they will encourage you. There's a sense of enablement. The God who calls is the God who enables. And while we may not see this gift at first, like I said, if we're steadfast and remain stewards in his word and to God, God will reward the heart who is after his, and he will continue um, to bless us and show us and reveal to us the gifts. And lastly, it's a sense of enlightenment. You'll have a sense of confirmation in your heart that God, like I said, this has been a part of me. This is what you've called me to do. And it is an absolute blessing for me to have this and to use it for your glory. And I'm going to conclude with this one little scenario. Um, you know, Bill Gothard kind of set, set the scenario. And it's basically a party scenario. And uh, let's all stand as, as, as we do this. So there's a whole family and friends gathered together in one kitchen. And there's one person who's carrying a cake into the kitchen. But unfortunately, this person drops the cake all over the floor. Right? Now I'm going to read, you, read to you the different responses of people who have different gifts what they would respond in that situation with the cake falling on the floor. So the cake falls, and the, and, the, and, the, and the guy who has prophecy says, that's what happened when you're not careful. The person with the gift of mercy says, don't feel bad, that could have happened to anyone. The person with the gift of service says, hang on, let me help you with that. Right? I'll help you with that really quick, just hang on. The person with the gift of teaching says, you know, the reason it fell was because it wasn't centered on the platter, the person with exhortation says, don't worry, from now on, we'll serve the dessert first. <laughs> the person with the gift of giving, don't worry, man, I'll buy you 10 more cakes. You got it, bro. Like, don't worry. And the person with the gift of leadership says, all right, you get the mop, you get the broom, you get the Clorox, uh, everyone gather together, you get the cake, get the new one, all this different stuff. And in that situation, you have, so, you have people with a variety of gifts working together for the same goal, and it all works perfectly in unity. Now keep this in mind. We're all given different gifts. And there is a world out there that is lost. There are people out there who do not know the Lord. And how do we expect to go out there without our toolkit? It's going to be a lot harder, right? We're going to encounter a lot more uh, obstacles and challenges. But I encourage you tonight as Christians, we're going to enter in this time of prayer before the last worship song, but I encourage you tonight to seek out what God has called you to do. Notice the passions in your life. Notice your inclinations. But at the same time, if you're caught in this stalemate, if you're caught in a stagnant Christian life, 
reevaluate yourself. Are you coming here just to sit in the pews and just receive a message, or are you equipping yourself now and getting ready to start the service as soon as you exit these four walls? Let's reevaluate our attitude, right? And let us have faith that no matter what, God will answer our prayers. And God has given this gift, and we need to have faith first that he has given us this gift in our lives that we may do it for his works. Let's enter in this time of prayer as we seek God out, as we worship him, and as we thank him for all that he's done in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the message. Um, I hope the Holy Spirit worked in all of your hearts. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you were uh, just enlightened with the fact that you know, God still works with his gifts and he's given a gift to each and every single one of us. And then we just need to focus our time, our effort, our prayer life on unwrapping those and using it for his calling on our life and for his glory and uh, yeah, to, to equip the church and the people around us just to continue to do as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as we wrap up this episode, uh, you can follow us on our Instagram at the Potter's House. Uh, the email is thepottershouse at gmail.com. Again, as I mentioned earlier, please go to the purple um, podcast app, that icon, and scroll down, tap the stars, leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the podcast. And uh, yeah, this is the very last episode of the year 2020. I'm super excited. I never would have imagined um, that I'd be in, in this position looking back. I started working on this podcast in June. The idea came in, in May, and then finally in July we launched, and it's been uh, it's been a great six months, and uh, it's been a true blessing to be here with you guys. And I just want to let you know um, that I'm very appreciative for all that you've supported me with, and um, I'm happy that we can glorify God together. So for those of you out there, have a Merry Christmas, have a happy and safe New Year, and we will see you in 2021.